0: Welcome to Raiders of the Lost podcast, one of the fastest growing movie podcasts in the world, where we discuss all things film. In this episode, we discuss the career of Zack Snyder. Hello, movie friends. How we doing today? Anthony here. And James here. And today we're going to do a director-filmmaker spotlight on Zack Snyder. And Zack is clearly a very divisive filmmaker. It seems to... For audiences and people, they either hate or love his films. There's really no middle ground. Like, I guess some people might say they kind of like it, but I feel like with Snyder, it's like you either love his movies or you hate them. Personally, we love his movies. Yeah, I love him. I don't. I'm not in love with all of them, but I think that he's a really terrific, dynamic filmmaker. and He's made some really f- excellent comic book movies. I think that. Uh, he, Dawn of the Dead is a really awesome horror film. I think that kind of gets forgotten. It's a really great remake of the original. That That's was his first film. Great debut. Yeah, and that thing is graphic. It's scary. It's terrifying. It's gross. It's like everything you want in a zombie movie. And I think that that, that movie is pretty successful. But then the huge success of 300, um, the visual dynamics that he brings to his filmmaking. He's a very visionary, stylistic filmmaker. And there's really no one who has a vision like him in terms of, like, you can tell a Zack Snyder movie just from the visuals and how it looks. And, you know, that's technically an auteur, so you can call him an auteur. But I think that he is very underrated in terms of a lot of his films, for sure. Yeah, and, um, you know, there are a lot of things that people hate about Zack, which we'll talk about in this episode. And I think a lot of people, like we said, hate or love his films. We hate or love his style. Not a lot of people are a fan of his use of excessive use, you could say, of slow motion. Um, His use of desaturation and monochromatic color schemes in his films, which also are contrasted by vibrant colors of specific characters. Like a great example is 300 with – that whole film is desaturated except for you could say the red – of the Spartans in their cloaks and stuff like that is a great contrast he doesn't write most of his movies and a lot of people say that like Zach, he can't tell a great story without excellent source material without source material that's already storyboarded for example like a graphic novel or a comic book or something like that or even adapting something that's been done before like <laughs> Spider-Man or Batman but like, how do they make that a knock on a filmmaker I don't know Spielberg doesn't write any of his movies because what I, I think what <laughs> he I'm, only wrote Close <laughs> <laughs> Encounters I think what they're saying is like there's already a visual representation of the material uh-huh. so that he's, it's like a, a slight of him that he usually focuses on oh, th- stories like that. Because like in 300 and, and Watchmen, he... Made, Emulates he a lot made, of shots. Yeah, he like copies um, visually what the looks of the comic books are. I think yeah. he's just very faithful to source material. And I think that he just wants to create the experience of watching a comic book movie on a big screen versus reading it in like your bedroom or something you know what i mean i think that's what he's doing he's translating comic books to film literally and speaking of film he still shoots on film he's one of the few remaining uh big filmmakers who is always shooting on uh, actual cellulo- celluloid that's silver uh it's it, it looks beautiful all of his films are beautiful, beautifully photographed well his main dp has been larry fong he's done an amazing he has an amazing career as a cinematographer, just some fantastic films. But I think that his films being shot on film really sets some apart in terms of, you know, loving cinema. Uh, I think that's also why he and Chris Nolan, they're very good friends, why they get along so well, because they're both big purveyors of film. J.J. Abrams is as well, as well as like famously uh, Quentin Tarantino and Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, and I, I think that film looks so beautiful in different ways. And Zach, when he uses film, like you said, it's heavy contrast and it's desaturated, and like it's super vibrant in certain ways. Like 300 and Watchmen are really beautiful films, and then he went just full on desaturation with Man of Steel, um, and even Justice League. Uh, his his cut is stunning cinematography. I think it's the most visually stunning comic book film ever made. Uh, it's really a breathtaking imagery in that film. If you Until, watch the director's cut. Well, I mean, the Batman will have, we will have seen the Batman by the time <laughs> this episode's released, so that might be more visually stunning. I'm no, just saying. I, I don't think... I've seen the trailer. I, I don't think that it could... I don't think... I'm not sure a, a comic book movie could ever top the visual dynamics of uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. It's absolutely incredible. I think yeah. Man of Steel might be his best-looking movie for me. I think the cinematography mm-hmm. in that film is absolutely astounding, like what Larry Fong did with them. And just, like, they kind of... Took the aesthetic that Chris Nolan was was toying with, then Zach. It's like a hybrid of of Nolan and Zack Snyder's vision in Man of Steel, if that makes sense. Because Christopher Nolan, there's a reason why he handpicked Zack Snyder to make the Man of Steel movie. He made he wrote the script with Goyer, and then he's like, I don't want to. He he just he came up with the story. Yeah, well, so him and Goyer wrote the script, or like so they not came the with script, the story. the story. Yeah, so Goyer, yeah. yeah, and then. He's like, I'm, I, he calls Zack Snyder up, hey, would you be interested in doing a Superman movie? I don't want to do it. I'm doing something else instead. So there's a reason why he picked Zack Snyder. He's like, I'm doing Inception, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. I'm a little I, bit. I, <laughs> well, let's see. No, because he would have been doing it about Interstellar probably in pre-production. No, the Inception and, and Man of Steel were being made around the same time. Really? Because yeah. Man of Steel came out in 2013. Did, was, it, are you sure? Yeah. 2013 absolutely 1,000% Oh, sure. then it was Dark Knight Rises. And Inception was 2010. Th- then it was Dark Knight Rises. So he had to have been either... Well, post-production... Well, yeah, filming back... The pre-production of Man of yeah, Steel yeah. is over a year. Yeah, so yeah. two years, probably. So it would have overlapped with Dark Knight and Rises. And plus, Interstellar, he came out in 2014, so Chris was a little busy. And also, he he didn't want to do comic book movies after dark knight yeah Rises. i don't blame him for that yeah. like i don't want to tackle both the icons like han zimmer doing the music and themes for different characters in the dc world is different than like a director doing all of like the big characters yeah 100 and and he and he and Zack snyder are very good friends and you know they don't make they make some they have some similarities with their filmmaking but otherwise they are pretty different and discernible from each other uh although Chris Nolan does use a lot of handheld in his films. It's kind of like... Uh, people don't really talk about that much, but I think it's one of the strengths to his filmmaking when he likes to use handheld, which obviously Zack Snyder went full tilt on for Man of Steel. That's the only film in his filmography that really tackled uh, handheld cinematography. Army for, of the Dead. For the majority. Oh, yeah, Army of the Dead. You're right. That is very handheld. And he actually um, handled all the camera work himself for that movie. So yeah, he's a cinematographer of that film. I think he might have edited it, too. I can't remember. Yeah, probably. But, but... for Army of the Dead, he used this special lens that Nolan uh, developed and so Nolan has this like amazing 50 millimeter lens. And that was specially designed for him. But I can't remember the company that made it for him. And he lent it to J.J. Abrams for The Rise of Skywalker. And and Zach was trying to get it for one of his movies. He's, and then he was like trying to call up J.J. J. He's like, bro, I need that lens. Give me that <laughs> lens, man. <laughs> That's so crazy. And apparently it's an amazing lens. And he used it um, at the end, that, that final scene of uh, – the Justice League, uh, Snyder cut the nightmare the Yeah, nightmare so scene. that he used that lens for that, but. It's a, it's a beautiful close up fifty mil lens. Just like Zack Snyder as a filmmaker, people either love or hate that style of that shot with that lens. Because I love the nightmare sequence. I love that that lens, the immense depth of field in the background. I mean, the shallow depth of field. Everything's <laughs> out, say, to, yes. the <laughs> tiny depth of field. Everything's out of focus in the background. And I really love that aesthetic because you know it's realistic to the human eyes. That's why I feel so authentic and real. Yeah, fifty millimeter lens is the closest thing to the human eye in terms of like what we visually interpret in front of. Us. Now, before we continue, the best way to support Raiders of the Lost Podcast is to become a patron at slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast, where you get awesome perks like you get to be the first ones to see our podcast schedules, you get personalized videos for specific tiers, patron shoutouts on the show for specific tiers, and also all patrons have access to a weekly bonus episode. Godfather tiers get to select their own bonus episode that only Godfather tier patrons get to view. We also just launched our podcast masterclass online course. So for anyone who wants to start a podcast or improve improve their current podcast, our 22 chapter 46 video lesson course will give you all the secrets behind the scenes of our show the link is podcastmasterclass.teachable.com or just go to our website com. it's right there in the home page you can see all of our sources of content our merch custom movie posters. follow subscribe wherever you're listening thanks so much for tuning in around the world now let's get back into the director spotlight of zach Kid and just like nolan uh warner brothers kind of took Zack Snyder under their umbrella to make a lot of their films. So uh, they tapped him to uh, make 300. I believe he developed that project under Warner Brothers. Yeah, so he, um, he pitched 300 to them. He's trying to shop the script. And Warner Brothers didn't want it because they made Troy, and they were making Troy at around the same time with Brad Pitt. And they're like, oh, we already have a Sword and Sandals movie coming out. We don't want to know if we want to do this. So then um, they had Zack Snyder do some test footage. So he did test footage of what he his vision for 300 was. And then Warner Brothers was like, yeah, sure. Here's like, what was it, $60 million. Go make that movie. Nice. Good for him because it's visually stunning. It's it's very much uh, reminds you of Sin City. Yeah, kind of. Um, and And then since then, since that was such a massive success – because I believe Warner Brothers produced it on the Dead* as well. I think, maybe. yeah, maybe. I'm pretty sure they did. I don't. I don't know if they did *SWAT* because his first movie he was attached to make was *SWAT*. The role really, of Colin Farrell, but uh-huh. he quit out of the role after he was signed on because they wanted to make it PG-13. Whatever studio it was, uh-huh. and so he's like, "No, I want him to make a rated R version arc. of *SWAT*." So I can only imagine how, like his vision and the script would have looked like. It would have been probably a much cooler movie. But it's a pretty decent film. I mean, can you even name the director of SWAT? No, I can't. So, yeah, it, <laughs> it would have been better rated R. And then Dawn of the Dead, he got in 2014 and, you know. I, no, 2004. 2000, oh, I'm sorry, 2004, you're right. <laughs> I, I'm I'm reading 2004. <laughs> But well, yeah. We saw that as kids in theaters. I liked it. I it know it's good. It's yeah. not like the original. Obviously, It doesn't have the same uh, feeling in. And, and it's impact, different, but it's you know it's fast zombies. There's that and Dawn of the Dead that were coming out. Yeah, exactly. I mean that. And... <laughs> You're all over the place. Uh, what's it called? Twenty eight days later. Yeah. Sorry. And so obviously, because when you make a giant success like three hundred for a studio, because. It's it was extremely profitable for the studio. They made a hun, hundreds of millions of dollars of profit. I actually have the uh, budget and box office right here. Seventy and four fifty. So yeah, it was budget of I mean what like sixty five, mm-hmm. grossed four hundred fifty six. Okay, so then the, the studio probably pulled in two hundred fifty mil of profit. Profits, yeah, just profit. That's a lot of money. So when you do that, and the, the studio gets very happy, then you're like, what do you want to do, Zach? <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we got Watchmen. And then, obviously, Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, Justice League. So he was—he's been a Warner Brothers' director for a while now. But obviously, because of Warner Brothers' decision to um, allow to give such so much creative freedom and control to J- Joss Whedon on Justice League, after Zach had already filmed most of the most of the movie, and they just let um, Joss when he came in. Zach had to leave Justice League because of a personal matter. Um, yeah, his, his daughter his He's daughter asking. committed suicide so horrible he had to he obviously couldn't finish filming but he had finished like 95% of the film pr- photography wise it was all mostly in the can and then obviously he couldn't finish post-production or the last few weeks of, of photography so he went to be with his family for a couple of years and then Warner Brothers gave the movie to Josh Whedon to take, take over take the reins and not only did he he didn't just finish the movie he rewrote the script filmed Like 70% of the movie was new footage that is not in Zack Snyder's cut. Basically changed the entire movie. And that was what happened with the theatrical cut. And there's a story of Chris Nolan and Deborah Snyder, who's Zack Snyder's wife and producing partner. She produces all of his movies where they went to see the first cut of the theatrical version of Justice League um, because Zack Snyder couldn't bring himself to see it because he had heard the rumors of how much had been changed and how much Joss Whedon was shooting. And when Zach, Deborah Snyder, and Chris Nolan were like flabbergasted and shocked by what the what film Joss Whedon ended up making, in Warner Brothers allowed. And then they told Zach, don't ever watch it because it's not at all the film that you set out to make. It's also how, like, you've told me to never watch it. Because I've seen pieces of it. I've seen, like, the, the final f- battle and everything. I've seen bits of it here and there. It's but bad. Anthony's always been like, don't ever watch that movie. <laughs> it is one of the worst pieces of cinema I've ever seen in my entire life. Probably the worst comic book movie I've ever made. And when, when I saw it originally... I, it, me it's, it put Zack Snyder down a peg in my book of filmmakers. Like I saw that, and I was like, "Damn, Zack, what the hell are you doing?" Yeah, no one understood what happened. Yeah, and he still has the I, director because it had on his it. name on it. I think that Josh didn't want to put his name on it probably because he knew it was hot garbage. Because because Snyder still has the director's credit on yeah. that movie, which it, is crazy to me. Yeah. And if you watch them, it's like a comp- It's nearly a completely different movie from the Zack Snyder cut. That HBO Max release. What's nuts is like he just reshot so many of the same scenes with his silly, lame one liner humor instead of the dark tone that Zach created the entire time. Yeah, it's, it's she, just so bad. He changed a lot of the script and like it, it's, it, he changed like it would be like the same scene between Wonder Woman and Batman, but instead Joss Whedon approached the cinematography by capturing Wonder Woman's ass in shots. Yeah, it's, it, it's just he completely sexualized her like he's done in all, with all of his female characters. But then because of that, and they did, get, they did let him Zack Snyder make his final version. We all know it's the Zack Snyder cut on HBO Max. But I think because of that, uh, Zack won't be going back to Warner Brothers because he just did, obviously, Army of the Dead with Netflix as well as the, the spinoff of that. And then um, Rebel Moon, his upcoming film that he's in production on, is also going to be a Netflix release. So I'm not sure he'll go back to the studio. I'm not sure either I mean it seems like they kind of just left him at the door with his ideas and vision because where do they go now with the DCEU who the hell knows and now I even heard rumors today that the the Batman will be tied in to a multiverse somehow so like yeah you. so actually a fan of ours sent us um, so we were wrong some photos we were totally I, I don't know why but so should we say should, I don't even know what you're about to say it's not movie related. It's not related to the movie, but it's action figures. Okay. So action figures were released in a different country in Walmart, um, and on the boxes of the Batman action figures, it says DC Multiverse, the Batman. Oh. Um, so it doesn't say there's any of the characters, obviously, but I think it's just it was very it was very intriguing in uh, why they would put multiverse on the toys. Gotcha. Uh, so it says DC. Multiverse, the Batman. They bait and switched us, man. Yeah. I'm still going to love it. Yeah. can't wait. Well, we've already seen it, so I I can tell you I probably already loved it, but... Uh It is what it is. Multiverse is big right now. <laughs> but Zack Snyder Justice so League. So hot right now. <laughs> the way he was able to make that is, and we'll talk about uh, the both versions later on in the episode. But oh, we can just talk about it now. Yeah, fuck it. I don't see, there's no reason to go in order. Hey, you're absolutely right. Let's not be constrained. So let's stay on Zack Snyder Justice League. So yeah. the 2017 version came out, which was really the Joss Whedon version. A pile of poop. Literally a pile <laughs> of crap. It's just like a one-liners, so many smiling faces, really well lit. It looked so damn so, bad. So the movie, it, it had such a breakneck pace, I had I had trouble following it. I really didn't know. I was like, what is going on? Who, like, wh- where are we? Like, who is this bad guy? Who are these new characters? Like, in Superman's mustache, yeah. cgi yeah. out. It was yeah. terrible. It was just so too much. The first day of the release, someone started the release the Snyder Cut hashtag on Twitter. Just some random person tweeted that out as soon as they left the theater. And ever since then, it's gone up and down of, of like, and then uh, when another movie came out, the hashtag got hot again. So like over the last five years or so, released the Snyder the Snyder cut hashtag has just been had random points throughout random parts of years of just being very viral, and just the audiences and fans that want it want to see it after being so disappointed by the Joss Whedon version in 2017 just fueled the the desire for the studio to actually sit down with Zack and they asked him like what what would it mean to release your cut do you have like a rough cut of it and zach's like not like kind yeah i have a rough cut but it's not like ready for a theatrical release i mean it doesn't look like it's supposed to look and if i want to do it i want to reshoot some new things and and finish actual principal photography so he pitched to warner brothers what finishing the movie would look like for them correctly and also what the marketing of it would be like and they watched it at his house they actually watched the cut of it at his house and they're like all right let's do it and so they actually had kind of a perfect storm of events where because of COVID and lockdowns, no movies were in really production or in post-production. So a lot of uh, visual effects departments were out of work for a short period of time. So it was the perfect storm where they had time to work now on Justice League, Zack Snyder cut. So he was able to do the reshoots and he's able even able to throw things in like Suicide Prevention, that billboard, which is iconic and so important of a message to be heard around the world. And on top of that, um, HBO Max was coming out. So it had come out. So Warner Brothers needed stuff to put on it um to get people excited yeah and i believe the snyder cut is one of the top watched things they have on hbo max absolutely plus he was able to go with his aspect ratio that he wanted to the four three aspect ratio mm-hmm. the the blocky look which you either hate or loved. i loved it. i thought it was great and then also he got to make a four-hour version of it yeah which you wouldn't have gotten that in theaters theaters he probably would have had like a three hour 15 minute cut of the justice league if he was originally you know if everything went well and he was able to make that in 2017, but because of HBO max and lockdowns and COVID expediting the process of streaming, just taking over really entertainment wise for, few, for like the last two years, he was able to release, release this complete creative vision from his, from his mind. Yeah. And Warner brothers, I think they gave him $70 million to finish the visual effects because they had, they had done very few of the visual effects of his footage Whereas, because so few such such little footage was actually used that was in the, the Josh Whedon cut, that they all the visual effects was pretty much done for the Snyder cut. But or if he did use the footage from Zack's filming, he changed it. Like instead of black Superman's black suit, he changed his Superman suit to the Man of Steel red and blue. Mm-hmm. So like they yeah. did that digitally, and it looked really terrible. Yeah, the re- you could tell the colors the coloring was off. Right. It didn't yeah. it looked fake. Yeah, and they uh, Whedon completely changed the third act of the film. And eliminated so much character development in the four-hour cut. It's really great. There's a lot of character work for every because the, the the biggest weakness of the theatrical cut is it's so rushed and you don't even know who's who. And the team up happens, and you're like, who are these people? And then, but in the Snyder cut, each character has their own story, their own part to play in the overall arc of the of the film. You feel like you really understand each one of them, uh, know them pretty well. And so by the time they do team up, you're like, okay, I can get behind each and every one of them. Yeah, because we talked about it in the Justice League Zack Snyder episode that we did. We did like an hour and a half on it because it was that epic. You know, Ray Fisher's cyborg character was mostly cut out of Joss Whedon's version. Ezra Miller's The Flash had a lot cut out. You know, we got their backstories. We got kind of origin stories, especially for Cyborg. And then we got so much more Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. Zack Snyder's Justice League ver- opening scene of Wonder Woman is one of the best superhero scenes in the DCEU in general when she stops that bang robbery. It is epic! Oh so, Yeah, the hostage the situation yeah. in the museum yeah it's, oh the museum it's, not yeah. the bank it's so great it's incredible yeah. cause, and because because <clears throat> wonder woman like she's so powerful but like that's the first scene i've i think since seeing wonder woman that we saw how powerful she really is how fast she is yeah too. It's, it's incredible like she stops bullets with her with her forearm um barrier whereas in we had just seen wonder woman 1984 Which nobody liked. I think it has it's it's down to a five point rating on IMDb. You're underwhelmed, yeah, because Wonder Woman was incredible. Yeah, it's one of the best DC movies. And I think one of the weaknesses of 1984 is the action sequences and Wonder Woman's fighting. It did not feel like she's like otherworldly, really. Especially the mall scene because you know Wonder Woman she's doing incredible things. Uh, as a superhero, and then she's just kind of like floating around in the mall sequence. So I was like, "Where's like the speed and the power? Like, I want to see Wonder Woman do what Wonder Woman can do." Exactly. We got that later on in that film, but really in the in Zack Snyder's Justice League, we got the full potential, I think, of what Wonder Woman can do. But also, I mean, the climax of Wonder Woman 1984 is her and Cheetah swinging around on their ropes in so the it was tel- telephone wire. So yeah, it was you never really saw her power. Yeah, it was a little underwhelming. So Zach brought that in that scene for Injustice League for sure in and, the entire movie. Yeah, and it's 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 an it's I think it's one of the best superhero movies ever made. I think I really think it is if you I mean, if you're not a fan of DC, I mean, if you haven't seen it, you really should check it out. And, I mean, 4 hours isn't that long. People complain about watching a long movie, but then they'll binge a TV series in an entire day. And it's like it's true. Come on, it's like it just I think there's this idea that when things are episodic It's more digestible, and you're more likely to say yes to watching it for several hours as opposed to one thing. But for me, I'm like, hell yeah, four-hour movie, let's go, let's do it. We get more scenes of all these characters, and even more scenes with Aquaman, Jason Momoa, and and Amy Adams' Lois Lane, and we get more Batfleck. It's great, I love that damn movie. Yeah, but the cinematography is really incredible, and Zack Snyder's visual storytelling techniques are, they're just on full display in that film, and... The great character moments he creates, like that amazing shot of the water splashing up like hundreds of feet into the air um, for during the Aquaman scene while playing that cool song, um, the Nick Cave song. Like things like that that you don't see in other superhero movies ever. And I think that he just brought so much to that film. And it, it's a shame that it didn't go out in theaters. Uh, but I think that I hope more people watch it and can really see the brilliance of it. Yeah, and I think... Uh, going through his filmography, which we did like in the last day or so, just like going through the movies. Uh, I, I watched 300. That's the, that's the one I've watched. I watched it the other night, yeah, too. Yeah, because it was uh, you new know, on Netflix. That gave me the inspiration. I watched it last night, so I was like, today I'm Anthony. I'm like, hey, let's just do a Zack Snyder. I have a vision. <laughs> Zack Snyder spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony was like, fuck yeah. Because <laughs> what happened was, uh, so, James has been watching Dark, so he's been. <laughs> Using like the living room TV at night to watch Dark, and I'm not watching. it. I'm done. And so I just been watching movies in my room so he can watch Dark. I don't do it every night. You yeah. can watch movies in there. You're just still, <laughs> no. I actually I like watching. You love movies watching al- movies in the living room. I love watching <laughs> it in the room. I just don't like people walking past me and <laughs> bothering me and say lights turning on. Anthony does not like any sort of distraction <laughs> during any movie experience. You should see him when we go to the theater. It's it's great because if someone coughs, he's like, "Excuse me, just <laughs> shut the fuck." <laughs> no, but seriously, I'm the guy that will ask you to stop talking. We'll not ask you, but tell you. He'll give you, he'll give you a minute, and then it's like you better stop. Remember that that couple at um. The No Time to Die oh, That screening. was ridiculous Yeah, it was crazy they I were I, talking for I, 10 minutes I straight I literally walked across the theater over to them We could hear them but from But they were in their yeah. 50s and 60s yeah. It's like, you're this old And you're still talking at movies Yeah, unreal It's a movie yeah, I'll, I will be that It's a 70mm screening too It was a special event Yeah, like They're acting like they're in their living room And then I they couldn't... looked at us like They were <clears> they were teenagers at the mall Getting yelled at by security <laughs> <laughs> It's like, bro You are 60 Grow the hell up You're, you're having a discussion During a Movie, <laughs> paid twenty dollars for these seats. Yeah, for real. And <laughs> parking at Hollywood. Yeah, at Grams. It's is a great theater. Yeah. <laughs> um. But back to three hundred. So now. So um. I was I was putting um. I was looking at what movie to watch in my watch list, and then I don't know what you were doing, but I heard three hundred. Oh, so I was. About to put Dark on This was like last week uh-huh. And so they put th- 300 was the new edition To Netflix recently This month I think Also, it was the Thumbnail trailer the trailer, trailer Yeah Got so it. I And I was I just watched it in like the whole scene Of him kicking the guy Down the, the tunnel Yeah okay And I yeah. was like I was like let's go So <laughs> I heard that Through my door And I, I just heard um, Leonidas screaming This is sponsored!" <laughs> and I was like Fuck it I'm putting 300 on So then I put 300 on And I was like okay I, This movie is awesome I and, haven't yeah. seen it in a while And then I watched it last night Because I had to finish Dark that's how this whole week's been. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's why we picked this episode. But let's t- let's talk about 300. Might as well. So 300, it was a great film-going experience for us cuz we were young. We were what 16, 15, 16. Yeah. 16? 2016. 2006, And we were going this is we were big on IMAX back then. There was this there was this theater in uh, Massachusetts, in Natick, Natick, for at the, all for all you Massholes, at the Jordan's Furniture yeah. on Route Nine. Yeah, so Jordan's Furniture was a it's a big furniture chain on the East Coast, and um, one of their biggest stores. It's like this gigantic, huge store. It's like a mall. Kelly's roast beef too. Yeah, so the Kelly's <laughs> roast beef, is amazing. Uh, oh my God, roast beef sandwiches <laughs> and fried clams. But they also had they also had um, an IMAX screen there, a huge one, just one. But it was like the early days of IMAX and you and I have just been like – we were going to that when they when it opened because it opened and it, it was news in the areas. like, oh, IMAX. We we're like, what's IMAX? We would it's go like, with dad. We'd go yeah. hang – we'd go early. We'd sit on the furniture and yeah. love seats because every there's all these huge showrooms with all nice decor. <laughs> we would like lay on the beds. We'd get Kelly's roast beef, eat oh, a yeah. ton of food. We'd lay on sofas waiting for the movie to start. <laughs> then we'd go get in line at IMAX. Yeah, and it was great. And this is there were only – there were literally only like – a, a few dozen IMAX screens across the country at this time. Now there are hundreds, but there were only a few at this time. That's why when people say, "Oh, you guys just hype IMAX because they pay," you, it's like, no. we've been watching IMAX since, since we were, it came out." Yeah. Even at even at the science museum. Oh yeah, the science museum. The, for whale, sure. the whale, IMAX. Yeah. The space IMAX. <laughs> although I fainted, but <laughs> those are the big whales. Ones. Yeah, the big whales. But um, I remember. I really remember going to 300 in IMAX when we were teenagers with our dad, and I think I remember just being. Blown away by this amazing film on this gigantic screen and the sound, and this was a big screen. It was like there's there's nothing like it. And I was like, this is the, the best. Yeah, in three hundred, it's excellent. You know, say what you want about Zach. Say say what you want about Zach. Visually amazing filmmaker. Yeah, and I think with three hundred. He really got to flex his creative muscles and experiment because Dawn of the Dead. It's a solid horror movie. You know, it's a lot of fun. It's fast paced, good humor, has a lot of great elements of a horror film. But it's not like his complete vision of what he ended up doing with 300. The style, yeah, is so unique and new. Like there were new things he was kind of doing, you could say, but it, it wasn't super special of a horror of a movie. But I think 300. It's such a unique and special action film. It kind of created a new subgenre where so many filmmakers have tried to either emulate this style or full up and copy it. Yeah, like it, uh, there's been several movies like The Immortals was with Henry Cavill, ironically. That was like literally just a 300 knockoff, especially. You know, I'm I mean? sure people think that Zack Snyder directed that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but this film, it's, it's all it's amazing because it's all made in a studio with green screen and they they would build the sets they would build sets like you know some of the roman structures and you know like the hay and rock formations and in the ground and stuff but otherwise it was green screen and they did a remarkable job of really blending the cgi with the practical sets they did build and i think it just looks it reminds you of sin city like this and you can tell it you can tell it's not perfect it, it looks a little like off a bit, but like you accept it because you know, it's this is like a comic book, it's a graphic novelist. You're being inserted into this world, same as Sin City. You know, it's, it's Sin City has very cartoonish parts to it, but you're like, this movie's awesome. So it really reminded me of that film in 300 like you can say lots of parts of his movies hyper masculine film for sure this entire movie is a bunch of shredded dudes <laughs> with no shirt on and it's it worked and you know some people sometimes that's what people want there's a reason And that's in the graphic novel yeah. that's what they look like but there's a reason why this made this movie made 450 million dollars there, there's an appeal to that with a lot of audiences Obviously, you don't have to do it in every movie, but sometimes it's great for some yeah. people. They want to go see a crazy action movie, hyper-masculine, lots of action, lots of just hard dudes beating the crap out of people. <laughs> wars, wars, ancient war, ancient cultures. This is like one of my favorite ancient culture films besides uh, Gladiator. But it's just such a good time and a lot of fun. And I think Gerard Butler is freaking awesome as Leonidas. It's such a He's legendary great. role in this in this movie. I think this is like such a breakout, standout role for in the last couple of decades, like Gerard, Gerard Butler as Leonidas is iconic. That defined his career. Yeah. Like Leonidas, Still. it's a it's a legendary role and it's like what he'll be remembered and for. And he's so good in it. He really he's is. He's great. And it, he actually was a lawyer for all for like the first like ten years of his career, he was a lawyer and then he quit to be an actor. And then he got a few small roles here and there. And then he landed this and this was his Big moment, and he's he carries this movie, and he is absolutely perfect as Leonidas. He's got that great beard, and even amongst all these macho men, he's still like the alpha. He's like all he got of them. the biggest of them all, too. I, I guarantee he started training earlier, probably because he he it's must have the been first the first cast, cast yeah. you know. And then, um, also in this film, Michael Fassbender his one of his early breakout roles as well he has a lot of screen time as well mm-hmm. um he plays uh one of the the more prominent featured uh, Spartan warriors and it's like i i didn't know it was him until like after seeing Inglorious bastards and then watching 300 and like oh my god that's michael Fassbender. it's an honor to die by your side exactly that's his character <laughs> stelios yeah and this this movie is just it's it created like a culture and a mindset for you know people who are into fitness, people who are into pushing themselves physically, like the Spartans. And you know we've, it, I think like that Spartan race that was formed because of the inspiration caused by this movie. Like we did a Spartan, oh, for sure, we did a Spartan race once. Oh, yeah. It's a good time. So this movie created like a subculture of fitness people who are interested in you know pushing the boundaries of their physicality and that the metaphor for that is being a spartan well zach snyder he's a fitness fanatic himself lifetime one and obviously he incorporates that into pretty much all of the characters of his movies i mean look at his action movies they're, they're all action movies pretty much and everyone's just really in shape very strong and it that's just the style. That's what he wants. That's the aesthetic he wants to bring these otherworldly, powerful people and characters to real life. You know, did the did the real Spartans look like this? Maybe, maybe not. But I mean, it's pretty epic. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, they were obviously wearing body armor in real life. But I mean, it's, it's Is it were they really? They must have been. I wonder what an ancient Spartan. It'd wonder, be silly if they didn't. Let me let me. You let have me. one on your desk, don't you? Yeah, he's wearing the same thing as 300. Yeah, but is that accurate or is that like 300 Spartan? This is this is actually a 3,000-year-old statue. <laughs> <laughs> wow, they had porcelain back there? <laughs> it's bronze. I'm, I'm curious because it would – I mean, would it make sense to not wear any armor at all? If your shield is big enough, I guess, but – But they're so badass. Yeah, I don't know. I just I – think, I think that was just my- – Okay, yeah, they had chest – Yeah, they had to have had chest pieces. Yeah, chest pieces. Yeah, chest plates in – it looked more like Gladiator. Okay, that makes much more sense. Yeah, it looked exactly what Russell Crowe wears in Gladiator. Gladiator. So, okay, thank you. So, obviously, you know, Greek warriors and the Spartans in the Greek army were the most— they are considered the most, some of the most feared warriors to ever exist. Yeah. So, that for sure is true. They're like up there with samurai. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, the, the training regimen for Spartan boys is true as well. And Leonidas was a real king. And this really did happen. He actually did say some of these lines. It didn't happen, obviously, like this. But three, this was a real event. His ancient historians um, they spoke about it and wrote about it. And he even they they even in this film in the graphic novel they even drew from historians some of the lines that Leonidas famously said, like um, when he's when they say, uh, "I'm was it when uh, they when the Persians demand that the Spartans surrender their weapons, and then Leonidas says." Come and get them! Like he actually (laughs) did say that, and that's actually become part of the Greek army's motto in their first Marine Corps, right to this day, current day. Persians, (laughs) come and take them! (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, and it's uh. But Leonidas, uh, kings in Sparta, they didn't actually go through the training of of Spartan warriors, Mm -hmm. but in Leonidas's case, he did, which was very non traditional because he was royalty. Because he had two older brothers who were going to take the throne. So being third in line to the throne, like you're not going to be king. But he well, eventually became king. Yeah, but what happened was one brother got it, and the other one got so super jealous, he left. And then the brother who was king, for some reason, was exiled. So Leonidas eventually became king because they both abandoned the country. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. but it has a great cast. You know, Gerard Butler. We have Lena Headey, who y'all know from Cer- as Cersei from Game of Thrones. David Wenham, like Andy said, uh, great voice. Michael, Fe- yeah, that guy. <laughs> he could narrate a phone book. Mike, I don't, I'm surprised he doesn't do like more like credit card commercials and stuff like that. <laughs> like I know Morgan Freeman's got like what, a hold on them all, but what an amazing voice! Really that great guy voice. Has, yeah. Dominic West is a great villain. So this is just a really good movie. But I think in general, one of Zack Snyder's greatest strengths is casting. He does an excellent job casting, like getting Henry Cavill for Man of Steel as Kal-El. It's an incredible casting, but even like a a movie like Watchmen, which I really enjoy this movie. I think it's ahead of its time. And, I think it was just too early because it seems like a, a movie that fits today. Like if this got made today, it would make like $600 million at the box office. But this came out, uh, I think, a little too early for people before. Like the craze of superheroes was just – It's a critique on superheroes, but like it it was too – it was before all the superheroes came exactly. out. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a deconstruction of superhero movies when, not, when it wasn't as big of a thing, superheroes in general. But I think if it came out today, it would make so much goddamn money. Yeah. And I think he just did such a tremendous job – Adapting the comic book and the graphic novel novel by Alan West. I, we read it years ago. Alan you know Moore. Alan, I'm sorry, Alan Moore. Did I say Alan West? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know who that is. I don't know either. <laughs> by Alan Moore. By Alan West. <laughs> he made the Watchmen. <laughs> is they're watching you. <laughs> He didn't even read, he didn't read that. Unsubscribed. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved the comic book, the graphic novel. We had you know the, it's thick as hell. It's a, it's an encyclopedia. But he did such a great job adapting that visually into a real action movie, and the casting was amazing of all the characters. Yeah, and you know he's also responsible for the casting of the Justice League characters. Like he cast um, Gal Gadot, he cast Ezra Miller, he cast Jason Momoa. So all these great actors who are loved in these roles it's because zach is the one who hired them and apparently like uh the way he hired ezra miller is ezra ezra i saw his interview where ezra miller was telling a story of how he got a phone call one day from zach snyder and he and he answered. He's like, "Hey, this is Zack Snyder." He's like, "Oh, hey, hey, man!" And they had never spoken before. And then Zach's like, "So yeah, I'm thinking like you can be the Flash, and we're gonna do this, the Justice League, and <laughs> it's gonna be great. And, and then we'll do this and that." And he didn't even ask him if he wanted to be it. He was just like, "So yeah, you're the Flash." <laughs> <laughs> Ezra Miller was like, "Okay, sure, man." <laughs> That's almost as funny as how uh, Cavill was playing World of Warcraft when he called him to tell him he, that he got Superman, and yeah. he was he didn't answer the call because he was playing. <laughs> <laughs> So damn funny! It's great. Now, but ironically, uh, sorry to interrupt. Henry Cavill auditioned for the Brandon Routh Superman Returns. And thank God he didn't get that. Holy crap! Holy crap! Because he's perfect as Kal El in Man of Steel. Your eyes are glittering right now. They he's glitter. Perfect. Every- <laughs> <laughs> they kind of did do that, didn't they? <laughs> my face changed. I like got- <laughs> you got so happy. <laughs> I got like puppy dog eyes. <laughs> my like my head turned to the left. You see- it tilted. You- I felt. It I've t- never t- seen you do that before. <laughs> no, I do that when I talk about Henry Cavill. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows this <laughs> Now before we continue Our great friends at Manscaped Have a bunch of new products They're starting to take over all your shower needs Especially with their new ultra premium collection You can get everything on their website For 20% off and free shipping Using our code Raiders of the Lost At checkout from Manscaped.com The new ultra premium collection features Deodorant, yes actual armpit deodorant From Manscaped Body wash, 2-in-1 shampoo conditioner hydrating body spray and a free set of manscape lip balm this stuff is fantastic it's the all-in-one hygiene skin and hair bundle that's designed to upgrade every guy's shower routine from head to toe don't forget to also check out their lawnmower 4.0 groomer which is fantastic it's got a 7000 rpm motor it's waterproof skin safe has a light so you can use this in the shower, literally in the dark. Wireless charger, it's amazing, fellas. Over two million men are using Manscaped products. It's about time if you haven't just to get on this. There's a reason why they're a great friend of the show, and why we love their products so much. Use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout to get twenty percent off and free shipping worldwide from Manscaped.com. Hey, Anthony, would you say that less than $4 a month is a small price to pay for online protection? Yeah, that's basically nothing. Yeah, I know. So our new sponsor is NordVPN has you covered Anthony just use our link nordvpn.com/raiders or use code raiders at checkout to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free a VPN is a virtual private network that gives you online privacy and anonymity by creating a private network from a public internet connection all of our movie and TV lovers listening NordVPN also gives you the ability to access streaming services like Netflix, HBO, Hulu, as well as TV and movie content libraries from other countries at no extra cost. NordVPN protects your personal data, hides your IP address when you use the internet, and lets you bypass censorship, content blocks, and website restrictions. It's literally the equivalent of buying a cup of coffee every month, an expensive cup of coffee, to a small price to pay for premium cybersecurity and access to vast amounts of entertaining content. There's also a 30-day money-back Guarantee if NordVPN is not for you, so there's no risk. And I'm telling you, we've had NordVPN for about a month and a half now. They hooked it up with a free year subscription. And I'm telling you, I will never go back to not being protected online. It makes your life so much better. You don't have to deal with all these ads that are just geared to what it's listening to. And you you type in toaster and you get all these ads for toasters on Instagram. It's crazy. It's driving me crazy, but not anymore because we're protected with NordVPN. Grab your exclusive deal by going to nordvpn.com slash raiders or use code raiders at checkout out to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free, and that is dirt cheap. How about we head on into our intermission, pal? I would hate that. I don't want to. All right, never mind. We won't do it then. Okay, let's do it. Let's go. I'm only Josh. We'll begin with our movie release year. Anthony, when did... Wait, quote. Oh, sorry, I skipped that. <laughs> we'll begin with our movie quote competition. Anthony, listen to this quote and tell me if you can get it right. <laughs> May it be your light in darkness when all other lights go out. Can you say it again? May it be your light in darkness when all other lights go out. Is it um Lord of the Rings? Yep. Thanks. Nice. You're welcome. I don't know why I said thanks. I know I said you're welcome. I don't know why you said thanks. I don't know why. No idea why. Galadriel. <laughs> hey, you said it right this time. No one's gonna attack you. <laughs> Galadriel, has this guy ever read a Lord of the Rings book? <laughs> Here's my quote. There are over five hundred million firearms in worldwide circulation. That's one firearm for every twelve people on the planet. The only question is, how do we arm the other eleven? Crap, what's this called? It's that Nick Cage arms movie. The God of War. Lord of War. Lord of War. Damn. <laughs> God of War sounds yeah. stupid. It's a video game. It doesn't sound stupid. That's a, that's a popular video game. Sure. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Better apologize. Sorry, God of War. <laughs> is that Ares? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's been a while since I, I fucking I, I sixth grade Since it's great history class. <laughs> all right. Let's go. Movie pop quiz time. No. Movie release year. <laughs> you are all over the place. All over the place. What year did Goldfinger come out? Goldfinger <laughs> 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 1973. Way off. Nineteen sixty four. Damn it. Wow. Embarrassing, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what year did The Thin Red Line come out? Oh, I love this movie. See how much you love it. You got to prove it. <laughs> I I feel like this is post millennium, right? It's got it's got to be like two thousand and. it's before it's bef- before the pianist, the pianist is what two thousand four something like that. I'm going to go, oh man, or is it 90s? Sean Penn's pretty young in it. He's pretty young in it. I'm going to say <clears throat> 2001. No. <laughs> 98. Damn it. God damn it. What year did the PS come out? Uh, two thousand. I I think two thousand and two. Yeah, because I had because that was because Adrian Brody. Yeah, two thousand two. Yes, I got two right. What was the other one you got? Oh, no, right? I didn't get the other one right. Yeah, you, that was the question you. That came was up the. With. One, I'm gonna cut that James Bond one out. I'm gonna <laughs> the, the the pianist. in. You would do that. <laughs> All right, movie pop quiz time. <laughs> Who directed Immortals? He's an Indian American director. Oh, what's his name? Oh, you the tough director questions lately? They're good stumpers, <laughs> sir. There, sing some Tarsum sing. Oh yeah! Damn! <coughs> oh. <laughs> you got it, <laughs> Spartans! I, I, was, I was not expecting that. <laughs> wow. Can't stop me! <laughs> this is Anthony! <laughs> this is my podcast! <laughs> Bet you thought you'd get me, didn't you? <laughs> all right, all right. Go ahead. Oh, my turn. It's your turn. What upcoming major Disney film is Jared Leto starring in? Live action? Not Morbius. I was going to say Morbius. That's a Disney movie. It's a Disney franchise. Disney franchise? It's been with Disney for decades. It's a big-time franchise. Big-time? Big-time. Big-time, kid. It's not Star Wars. It's not Star Wars. It's not Marvel. It's, well, it can't be Marvel because it's, it's, so- it's not Marvel. <laughs> Morbius is Sony. Like, what the hell? What are you, you in? Um he's gonna play mickey mouse (laughs) (laughs) live action correct (laughs) you broke my heart you broke my heart (laughs) that's his that's his accent in house of gucci yeah it's pretty accurate i don't know tron oh that's right yeah disney's tron yeah that's right they've they've owned tron since the first one damn it was a disney right i forgot about that when's that coming out next year Probably two years. There's a bunch of visual effects, I'm sure. Do you know who's directing it? I do not S- know. It's not Kaczynski, is it? No, someone else. All right. Anyways, Tarsim Singh, <laughs> Tarsum Singh is directing it. All right. Uh, who, we got any haters and any unsubscribes worth yeah, bringing up? Yeah, yeah, who yeah. We got? We, got let's, let's, let's we got a couple. Let's talk about it. Let's let's chat. <laughs> let's, let's chat. <laughs> let's shitty <laughs> chat. We got some unsubscribes. I'd love to hear them. <laughs> Uh, we have one unsubscribed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just a nice unsubscribe. will just – AJ Just a Guy wrote, uh, always till the day being a fan. Unsubscribe. I unsubscribe. <laughs> like, always till the day I unsubscribe. Oh, yeah, because I, I thanked him yeah. for tuning in. Yeah. It was today. yes yeah. was today. That was today. Uh, we have a, a great five-star review from Starka12. The one movie podcast to rule them all. This movie podcast is the best. James and Anthony have made my love for movies grow so much more. Y'all are crushing it. Thank you, Starka12. That is really important and really... Touched me. Appreciate it. You're glowing. Really, I know I am. We I'm also almost... have a Godfather tier patron shout out. Patron Eileen Ordonez, a great fan of our show. Oh, and damn! A f- this uh, We, no, we couldn't refuse. You became a Godfather tier patron, yes. and she's become a friend of ours as well. We love chatting with you, and we love your support so much. And your little pets are super adorable. And you're actually, she started her own podcast very soon. She took our master class and learned the ropes from us. So So yeah, we wish her the best of luck. Thanks so much, girl. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right, on this day in film history, today is Thursday, March third. Uh, the Batman was released this week. <laughs> oh my god! I had to drop. How'd it. you like it? I can tell you, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> tell me what did you love. What was your favorite well, we're, part? We're, we're filming this on February twenty fourth. So what, my favorite what, part yeah. was Robert Pattinson's face. <laughs> in two thousand ten, Alice in Wonderland was released. In two thousand seventeen, Logan was released. And happy birthday to Jessica Biel. What do you have for a stream recommendation this week, Anthony? I have What If on Amazon Prime, which is a very charming romantic comedy starring Daniel Radcliffe and Zoe Kazan. I have another movie on Amazon Prime. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> <Not one thing. laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I'm I want to get it out without laughing. Uncut Jobs. <laughs> Uncut Jobs. <laughs> Uncut Jobs. <laughs> I was Josh Safdie's muse when he wrote Uncut Jobs. <laughs> it's on Amazon Prime It's we in Netflix, right? No, it's, on, it's in. It's Uncut it. Jobs? I think <laughs> Uncut Jobs is it's also Netflix. on Netflix. Netflix. Uncut Jobs it started on Netflix. Now it's on Prime? I think so. Well, you're the one who picked it. It's somewhere. You tell me. It's so, it's in the <laughs> it's, ether. It's there. It's on the internet. It's in the jobs. It's <laughs> in the jobs. <laughs> it's, it's on Amazon Prime. <laughs> Netflix. All right, let's get back into night. This is a silly episode. <laughs> do you love movie posters? I sure do. The best place to get your posters online is at movieposters.com. They have a gigantic selection of posters of posters for you to choose from, from basically every movie and TV show imaginable. Use our promo code RAIDERS10 to get 10% off your order. Today, our set is decked out in these amazing posters. High-quality stuff, everyone. This is the best that money can pay for, and it's already super affordable at their low prices. I couldn't recommend them enough. They have all sorts of sizes, framing, Even backlighting. Whatever your poster needs are, they can handle it. As well as a selection of all sorts of brand new movie releases, including classics. You can get everything from Spider-Man to Dune to Batman to Taxi Driver or or Casablanca. Whatever your poster needs are, they got you covered. Again, head on over to MoviePosters.com and use our special promo code RAIDERS10 to get 10% off your order today. Something I love about Zach is tell me he <laughs> he does a lot of his own artwork, a lot of his own storyboarding, a lot of his own drawing. Uh, he's a really big believer in drawing what he shoots. I think this is pretty rare for a filmmaker. Most filmmakers will work with storyboard artists uh, closely to get the vision of their of their films on on paper and on the boards before they go into filming. But I think when. When your director is writing and drawing them himself, for, for a lot of it, I think it really helps get, bring his vision to reality so much. Yeah, and he's definitely heavily involved in what his movies look like for sure. And that's why he has—you can call him an auteur because of, when you watch one of his movies, you can tell that's a Zack Snyder movie. You know and, what I mean? Yeah, and I like how he throws in a lot of symbology into his films. Specifically, the Christ-like symbology he uses in multiple movies. Whether you're religious or not, he has a Christ-like figure— Clearly, and Leonidas at the end of the film, Leonidas when he he sacrifices himself, him and his men sacrifice himself. Leonidas is standing there dead before the arrows hit him. His arms go up, and then when he's down on the ground with all the arrows inside of him, around his men, he's the only one standing, on, laying on his back in a Christ-like on the cross figure. And then obviously we know that happens with Cal El in Man of Steel when he puncture, uh stri- strike that wall. He strikes the wall. <laughs> no, strike that, that panel. panel. And then he he floats out into space. And a Christ-like on the on the cross pose, so he has a, a similar theme and, and um, character of people sacrificing themselves. Speaking of symbolism and Man of Steel, uh, one of the strengths of the film is the mythology that he built within that film in the framework of the culture of Krypton, and you know he really honed in on the symbolism of the shield and how each family name has each family has a different kind of symbol. And they created their own, like, language of Krypton. You know, Zod has his symbol. All the other people with their own chest plates is a different symbol. And hence that's why Superman's shield has the S on it because that's the symbol of his family. This, and This means hope. <laughs> but the, the symbolism of using that logo and not making it just an S for Superman but thinking more deeply about it. Giving it an actual meaning and a cultural reality within the world of Krypton. I thought it was a really great take. I mean, Man of Steel, the the first twenty minutes of that movie is really amazing. The Krypton sequence, it blew me away. It was astounding. Great filmmaking, such unique technology that like living liquid metal technology they were using. The the animals, the architecture, the design of the planet, and I was just really in awe when I saw that for the first time do you remember where we saw it? IMAX at Natick IMAX. Jordan's, Jordan's furniture, furniture. We kid. some. We got some Kelly's roast beef. <laughs> we laid down on some Lazy Boys and then we waited in line and saw Man of Steel. <laughs> Accurate. And this is before you selected your seats in theaters. So you just walking. We, walk in we got there early. early. We were always. We were so early. We'd get Kelly's roast beef like two hours before the movie would start, and then we'd be in line, like laying down. It was like camping out for like for like a big event. Oh my for, god! It's so it's so true. It's so true. But no, when I saw that for the first time, I I cried a few tears at that opening sequence. I. I was just in sh- in awe and shocked at what i was seeing because we're such big superhero, I couldn't believe it was a superhero movie me too and I, yeah. I couldn't believe we were seeing it you know a superman movie that like because superman the other one was so lame <laughs> yeah. it was whack it, it was, was terrible lame. and it was really just dis- i was disappointed by it i was like i guess this is a superman and yeah. then when we saw this i was just like in a different world and I- never experienced anything like it on that scale besides like Dark Knight or something like that yeah and you know Marvel had come out with um, several movies by that point by 2013 and so you know Marvel was getting into their groove and I think what Zach did his approach to it was so different from the Marvel approach you know the realism, the character driven story uh, the real world circumstances I think there was just an amazing take on a comic book film. And I really, uh, I really love it. It's one of my favorite comic book movies. I would put Man of Steel probably in the top five comic book movies, I think. It's super underrated. We but, did a whole episode on it, too, so definitely go back and check that out if you haven't seen it or, yeah. or listened. But also, Man of Steel brings me to this point of Zack Snyder movies of like this, these mis- this misunderstood um, quality of his filmmaking. His movies can be misunderstood, and they can be even deemed controversial with fans or with like popular culture. Um, And Man of Steel is definitely one of those um, misunderstood movies and big controversies in it, especially with the third act and the destruction of uh, Metropolis, you know, buildings toppling, you know, millions of people dying, um, just seeing the destruction of these two gods on Earth and also Superman killing Zod at the end by snapping his neck. And I think that these elements are strengths of the film um, because... You know, other most other comic book movies, they play it safe. You know, the bad guy always loses, the be- the good guy wins. You know, you don't really see major characters die. You don't see much death at all. Um, it's pretty much the same thing over and over again. But then to see this scale of destruction in a comic book movie, I thought it was really, really great storytelling. I thought it was also super challenging to an audience to see something that impactful. Uh, it also it seemed accurate to like what superpower beings would have what effect they would have on the environment you know if they walked in, if they were thrown into a building they would just go right through the building because they're, they're the force and the mass would just be unequatable like way bigger than anything that we can create here so it, it we would just be like uh paper to paper mache to them and i think it was a really fantastic take i know it's hard to watch at times but I think that superhero movies they can they tend to be a little too safe, a little too comfortable, um, not really making the audience feel anything other than like entertainment. Um, but I think that Man of Steel was a great direction for a superhero movie. That's why I like Watchmen a lot too, because it makes you uncomfortable. You know, yeah. the ending of that movie is very uncomfortable. You know, where I won't spoil it if you haven't seen it, but you know, one of the characters well I, I don't I don't want to spoil it, I won't get into it, but it does you know, the third act, it's an uncomfortable watch because of what happens and what a character's steps that they take to ensure you know the preservation of the world but also um there's dark disturbing things in in the first half oh for sure i mean things that dr manhattan does things that the comedian does everything the comedian does is disturbing yeah and i think that having challenging comic book characters like that is really intriguing because you know that that grounds it more to like i'm not talking like grounding it down to like Gritty and dark are terms that are used way too often for these kinds of movies. Like people always want to say it's just a dark, gritty movie. Like Chris Nolan only makes dark, gritty superhero movies. Like Watchmen too gritty and dark. Like what does that even mean? Gritty? What does that even mean? But is th- there's like mud on the sidewalks. Yes. <laughs> it's just an easy way of complaining about something. But I think that it works really well because it's it's like a more true to life character, a flawed person, like a man who's a, a superhero, a comic book char- hero in this in this movie but he's a villain in real life you know he he's a murderer he abuses a woman and that's like even people in suits they can be bad people as well even if they're on the heroic side of things well i think that the problem with people a lot of people when they watch movies and superhero movies and even we talk about this with, with fight club they just kind of watch the surface of the movie they, that's what they think the entire thing's about it's like they're they're glorifying those events they're glorifying the behavior they're glorifying the filmmakers are glorifying the, the comedians actions what he does in the film and it's the exact opposite they're showing how horrible it is because there are really evil people out there there are bad people out there and that's what I think that's what they say gritty instead of wanting to deal with the fact that that's real that's yeah. real life there are murderers out there there are killers out there, there the world's not a uh, safe people. space yeah and I think that's a safe way of saying that I don't like to watch it which is fine if you don't like it then it's you no don't big have deal. to watch it. yeah but I don't think criticizing an entire film an entire genre of movies and an entire filmmaker's catalog of of movies just because you don't like the tone of them or, or things you're seeing it's it's kind of a dis- disservice to not just the filmmaker but all of the people that went to making the movies yeah and it's it, i mean it's more authentic to real life you know it's it's like it people aren't just making sarcastic jokes in everyday life in every situation you know it's not all just lighthearted you know there's darkness in the world and i think that you know Zack Snyder with his comic book movies He's happy to embrace that darkness, that dark side of humanity that is very rarely portrayed in other comic book movies. And I'm not saying that like the other well, comic book movies don't have villains, but like the even the villains, they're just basically one note. Just like, I want to destroy a planet, and like, that's it. But like, you can't relate to that. Kind of, yeah. I I would take it even further, even with Star Wars movies and and some Marvel movies too. But Star Wars has the same thing where the villains used to be great in Star Wars, you know, old school Darth Vader, just an evil guy. Ultra powerful, but then you know, Kylo Ren is very flawed and he's more of like a a punchline in all of his scenarios. He's you kind of just laugh at him a lot and he's kind of seems pathetic in some situations. He doesn't have that full bad guy threat, and everyone's a simp. You have to, yeah, he's a simp. You have to, we have to constantly now empathize with our villains versus. Watchmen. There are just some evil dudes in it, and a lot of these DCE movies, a lot of these D- like DC movies, I love just an evil villain. That's sometimes you just need a great antagonist, which makes your protagonist's journey so much more special, special and fulfilling. But even antiheroes, because Rorschach is one of the leads of the movie, and he's a terrible person. Yeah, he's not a hero. He's not a good guy. He's a bad human being. Like down bare bones, just a bad, awful human being. But It's okay that a movie has that for a lead character. That doesn't mean that it's okay to be a bad person. But I think that it makes it more a more challenging and interesting and thought provoking film, which you know you want art to be. You want art to like push the boundaries and you know to have a character like Rorschach, and he's a he's a he's a bad human. But like that doesn't mean that if you don't if you never make movies with people like that, you're saying that there aren't people like that in the world. And, you know, there's just, there's badness in the world. So there should be like representations of that in movies and in cinema because it is a reality. A lot of people don't want to face that reality. But I think that movies like this, I think are very thought provoking and necessary. I think that's, you know, what we're saying the overall point is Zack Snyder isn't afraid to make challenging films and challenging characters. And it's pretty relevant in pretty much all of his movies, except for, you know, like, um, What's it called? The Legend of the Guardians, the Owls. The Owls, yeah. the, the, the Owls of Gahul, which is yeah. uh, a solid animated film. Yeah. It came out in, what, 2011, 10. 10. You're off. You almost got it. <laughs> which is cool. I love when filmmakers go out of their realm and they work on animated films like this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And then Soccer Punch, I actually like too. I think this, it's his lowest rated film on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like 20%. IMDb, it's a point I think it's a little underrated, though. You know, I think it has great performances, great cast. You know, you have a strong female cast of Emily Browning, Vanessa Hudgens, Abby Cornish, also Carlo Gugino, Jamie Chung. Then it also has Oscar Isaac, John Hamm, Scott Glenn. That is a fantastic cast. Emily Browning is so great in that movie. Very visual-heavy movie. Lots of great—you can see, like— This was a great stepping stone for him to get the action exactly right for Man of Steel because I think Man of Steel has some of the greatest (coughs) superhero scenes we'll ever see, ever. Like the battles in Smallville, I think that might be the best superhero fight of all time. I don't think it'll ever be topped. I think that he just went less stylized as opposed to Sucker Bunch, which was heavy. Very, very, very stylized. But I I think Sucker Bunch is a better movie than critics say it is. I don't love it. But I, understand, I like I like the movie. I think it's a cool approach to uh, mental illness and this bizarre fantasy world that this girl has created. I also think that uh, it's very confusing. And if Zach had been a little bit more open with what he was really doing with the film, what the story really was, gave the audience a little bit – some more hints. Um, I think then audiences would have understood what was going on and understood what he was going for because a lot of like most people when they watch it they just take it on the surface with what's shown to them and then it's like hard to accept and even like like the movie or understand it and so i think that he made it a, he he made it too confusing for yeah audiences. i see cuz a lot of people like some movies they really benefit from a second viewing um like this one for sure you'll understand it better but you know not everyone wants to watch a second viewing of a movie that they just didn't, didn't like really, get yeah. didn't get that confused them too much Versus some movies that like deserve second or third viewings, whether like or not th- yeah, like whether or not this deserves a second or third viewing, that's up to you. Um, for me, I think it's pretty solid. I think it's cool, and I think it's fun. It's a good time. It look, but it's like a vi- it's like a video game too, where yeah. it's like these different levels, heavy effects. Each level gets a little more difficult. Different. I'm aesthetics. surprised gamers don't love this movie. Me neither. That's I'm why su- every I'm time I- it's like a it's like a video game. Yeah, and but I will say like it's movies like like that that I love Zach Snyder, but I'm not like. In love with his filmography. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean. I know I, what I you mean. I he's not a perfect director, and, and that's why it's like I'm not like a huge Zack Snyder. Like, oh my God, he's the best director. I think he's made some really great movies, but then I also make. I think he's made some movies that are just like they're good, um, but it's not like he's had an impeccable filmography. Yeah, I mean, Dawn of the Dead, it's good, but it's not like it's it's good for a horror remake. And mm-hmm. it's a good debut film. It's entertaining. Solid horror movie. 300 was just – that's just like a great, great, great movie. Yeah. Watchmen, I think, is great. one of the most underrated superhero movies of all time. Sucker Punch, you know, it's pretty good. Legends of the Guardians, pretty, pretty good. good. Man Steel, masterpiece. Great. Batman vs Superman, Dawn Justice. Now, I personally think this movie is underrated. I know that you're not completely in love with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the director's cut, the, what's it, the ultimate edition. I don't know if you've seen that. Uh-huh. I highly recommend checking that out because everything's a lot more clear, and I think it's just more laid out. It's laid out a little better because I think a flaw of Zach is he tries to fit too much in sometimes with his stories, and he, his d- desire obviously is to make four hour movies every time. Yeah. It seems like, and so sometimes there's just too much he's stuffing in, and he's cutting out things that maybe would help the story a little better. Yeah. But um, I think when you watch the ultimate edition of Batman vs Superman. It's it's a better watch for sure. Yeah. So I, there, there's a lot to it that I really enjoy. I and I loved seeing Batman and Superman fighting. I thought that was a great sequence, but I just think the script wasn't quite there. Like you said, it was probably better if you watched the full cut. But I think that um, the storyline wasn't quite there, especially with um, Wonder Woman. Uh, she didn't. She kind of felt like a little shoehorn into the script, mm-hmm. and also the ending. Was okay, but I just think that the big monster villain, well, I wasn't feeling that like a mindless monster being the villain, and then also, uh, the the Martha thing, the Martha scene, mm-hmm. I, I that I chuckled at that. I was like, "Oh, really? Is that it? Like that's the turning point for Bat for Batman?" The whole them both having mothers named Martha. I understand the the point. Like it makes him humanized with Superman. Oh, he has a mother. I have the same name as me. That if he has a mother, then you know. That means I am I can empathize with him. I just think that that was for the point they were yeah. at in their battle. It was too trivial of a moment because Batman was literally about to f- murder him, like straight up stab him in the heart. And so I think that it was too rushed. It was too fast. Um, there should have been more buildup to Batman's decision to change his um, approach to Superman because I liked that. I liked how Batman was like, you see what happened in Metropolis like if this guy gets like gets pissed off like he could destroy it like anything. Like you yeah so yeah, I get it his is motivation a to want to take it all out. I liked it. I understood the motivation but I just think the 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 script was the problem with the movie. I think the first half is really good. Mm-hmm. Like I, I love the setup. I love getting Batman with Ben Affleck. I think that's great introducing Wonder Woman. I liked uh uh, uh Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I hope I hope he gets to p- keep being Lex Luthor. How do you feel? Great like, theme, yeah, yeah. Da-da, da. very succession. Like, how do you feel about him killing Superman you know, in this movie, though? Um, Zack Snyder killing him. Yeah, I I I was fine with it because yeah. of that's part of the that's a famous storyline in the comics. It is a famous storyline, yeah. but do you think they, that he might have done it too soon by doing it with the second movie that Superman's in? I think so. Because I he, think that even I, though he's going to revive him in Justice League, it's not until halfway through the movie that we get Kal-El. you got to remember, we had two Iron Man movies before there were any other Avengers movies. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's what I think that maybe they got too excited with. Man of Steel was great. Everyone, a lot of people loved it, made a ton of money, made almost $700 million. Now let's talk about a sequel and maybe they brought Batman too early. We're introducing Batman too early. And Wonder Woman. In Wonder in, see, wa- I, I, think it, I think that Marvel, they understood, like, let's give them their own movies and then Put them together in crossovers, and then there's... I think that was the way to go. And that's what DC should have done. And DC's just like, hey, the Avengers made a lot of money. Let's can we do that like next week? Yeah. And but they perfectly cast Gal Gadot is perfect as Wonder Woman, and you know the Barry and Ezra Miller is perfect as the Flash and and everyone else. But like not giving them their own um, films, I think, was a weakness to the first three DC films. Yeah, because Batman vs Superman. If it's a five-hour movie, it's probably great because you have plenty of time to introduce all these characters and Barry can have his own storyline. We get more of um, Diane, Diana Prince coming in, so like, there's so much more to do. But when you're trying to not only introduce Batman, who is one of the biggest superheroes of all time besides Superman, probably the biggest, you're also introducing all these other characters to set up a team up so fast. And it's, and it's only Superman's second movie. Yeah. So I think obviously things got a little out of hand Rushing things too much where they – I'm sure Warner Brothers was like, Zach, can we do the Justice League like in 2017? Yeah, and I just think that not giving Batman his own movie was a mistake. That was probably the the biggest miss for the DCEU. Yeah. Because how epic could that have been? Like, I mean, just – Whereas – I'm sorry. Whereas the Wonder Woman, it actually kind of worked because her movie was uh, a period piece. Yeah, exactly. before the events. And that's a great, great movie. Like, if if we could have gotten, I'm sure, a Batman movie that was just as good as Wonder Woman Mm – and I'm sure we would have. I bet Ben would have directed it. It would have been really cool if they just pumped the brakes a little bit. I know Man of Steel made a lot of money. And I, I know you're looking at the bank account that Marvel has been amassing, mm-hmm. which now Disney owns. But, you know, take it easy. <laughs> yeah. Slow it down. So that was the weakness of, of the film, I think. I think that um, the Kal-El's um, character in that film was quite grim um, the whole time. But I like how you know the world's questioning him. He's he's at a Senate hearing, being interrogated by you know Congresswomen, uh, congressmen and women. Um, the lead one played by Holly Hunter, who's who's very good. But and I, and you know it was a great plan. It's a good plan by um, what's his name, Jesse Eisenberg. I'm Lex sorry. Luther. Lex Luther. You know to have that uh, Senate hearing um, end in destruction with Superman is the only survivor. Is a great way of pointing fingers. at... Superman I think it was a great like you said great first half of the film it was leading to something promising like I think what they probably should have done is have a sec like have a solo Wonder Woman solo solo Batman then do a Man of Steel sequel with Lex Luthor as the villain yeah and I think that would have been great mm-hmm. and then do Batman versus Superman and then just like it would, have been, it would and, have been a lot better and have Lex Luthor as the villain of the first Justice yeah movie that would be yeah that would have been great yeah because we get... The thing with the, the DCEU is we've gotten so much teasing that never led to anything. Yeah. We've gotten so much teasing of Lex Luthor, end credit scenes, and then we even got hit the post-credit scene in Zack Snyder's Justice League, which will never lead to anything. Probably. And um, jo- Joe Mangelano's character... Never got to be... Bloodshot or something. What's his name? Deadshot. Deadshot. Deadshot, right? No, that's the Suicide Squad one. Deadshot? But he was supposed to be the villain of the Batman. Yeah. The, the solo Batman movie um, that Ben Affleck had wrote and was going to direct death sh- stroke death stroke sorry guys yeah that guy must be bummed out like oh, I know man. The, the the his costume is really cool and everything mm-hmm. it would have been it awesome. is a cool costume he's a cool he's a cool guy listen to your friend Billy Zane he's, he's a, cool a cool guy dude. he's a cool dude <laughs> <laughs> and then most recently Army of the Dead came out we did a little review of this when it dropped on Netflix this is one of those let's have some fun at the movies let's have a good time Kind fun of just, at the films. Fun at the films. Kind of shut your brain off. But with shut your brain off movies, there are good ones and bad ones. I think this was a good one. It was a good shut your brain off. It's like mm. the Tomorrow War, Army of the Dead, versus like when I just did a review of Uncharted. That's a shut your brain off movie that like wasn't that great of a movie at the same time. Nothing new, but Army of the Dead. It's a new idea: zombies in Las Vegas. The entire city's walled off. Go steal some money. Sure, let's have some fun. Let's spray some bullets. Dave Bautista <laughs> says the lead is awesome. I loved it. Yeah, it's a very simple story, and Dave was really great in it. I think he really carried the film. It was fun. It was great, great gore, great zombie um, moments, and I like the um, how the zombies have an intelligence and a culture. I thought that was pretty creative for sure. Yeah, but Dave is like a really good actor. Like, he's great as Drax. He became but, good. But, but, but Drax, I feel like a lot of people could do that character. But it's good humor. It's it's awesome. But then, like, seeing him in this was solid. And then seeing him as a Harkonnen in Dune was really great. And I can't we'll wait be to see seeing more, of him, more yeah. of him as a Harkonnen because he li- this guy can act his ass off for sure. And coming from <laughs> WWE is great because usually the, the superstar... Uh, wrestlers, you know, they're they're solid entertainers, but they're not usually great actors. And even Blade Runner twenty forty nine. So this guy's awesome. Yeah, Denis Villeneuve cast him twice for a reason. Yeah, and you know? Denis is probably the best filmmaker working right now. Yeah, and he, prime. he knows great actors. And yeah, Dave is really. I think that Dave. He, he, I think he's big on work ethic, and it seems like he worked very hard to hone in his, his craft of acting, for sure. I mean, you don't get that enormous at 6'7 without <laughs> a lot of hard work, just saying the guy's a big human being. Let's talk about talent-wise. It goes hand-in-hand, hand. hard yeah. work. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think you're right. you're right. Work ethic. Oh, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I'm, I'm excited to see um, uh, Rebel Moon. Rebel Moon, which is Zack Snyder's uh, upcoming film, which he's in production of. Uh, they've announced some castings. Who's the lead? I'm pretty sure it's Charlie Hunnam. Charlie Hunnam, correct. G-Mon Hootsu is going to have a major role as well. But it looks really great from the concept art that they've released. It's like a a Star Wars-inspired intergalactic – not intergalactic, but interplanetary sci-fi action adventure that I think is going to have a lot of great dark elements to it seems very, very exciting of a project, and I'm very much looking forward to seeing the first trailer. Yeah, it's actually a, a story that he pitched to George Lucas when George Lucas was still running Star Wars back in, like, 2010, 2011. And obviously, since Disney bought Star Wars, they're like, no, it's a little too adult and dark for us. You got anything lighter? So they're like, nah. So this is actually—he converted this that story into this movie, Rebel Moon. So I'm super excited to see Zack Snyder, like, tackle space adventure. Like, hell yeah. Very cool. His his vision in space—it's gonna—it's gonna be pretty cool. I feel like Charlie Hunnam—he hasn't had like that lead role hit yet. Because King Arthur, I think, was an underrated was movie. That, I think that it bombed though. And I'm know, talking no, like I know, a hit. like a hit, hit. Yeah. Because everyone knows him from like Guy Ritchie movies. Everyone knows him. His hit well, just is Sons, w- just Sons one of Anarchy. Guy Ritchie movie though. But Sons of Anarchy is like his his big. That's what everyone knows him from. Yeah, I'm talking about movies though. True movies. He hasn't had that hit because he's only in one. Guy Ritchie movie and it's an ensemble the gentleman, yeah yeah and he's not even the lead McConaughey it's McConaughey's movie yeah you're right and then um The Lost City of Z which is a really great movie by James Gray that super bombed yeah at the box I wish more people saw that I mean Tommy Holland's in that Robert yeah. Pattinson's in that which is cool Dude, he's great in that it's an awesome movie. movie but I just think Charlie Hunnam uh and also Pacific Rim a bomb few, bom- well not no, bomb no, but it just wasn't it's not like his movie yeah you know what I mean I okay. feel like Idris Elba was just as much, in, as much in it and also the lead actress as well. For sure. So I feel like he hasn't hit that movie star movie yet. Maybe this could be it. I feel it. I think he's got it. He's got the potential, man. We'll see. I think he can pull it off. I think he's a cool guy. I think he's a cool – I'm not I'm not knocking him. I'm just saying he has – I think he's had bad luck. I'm just adding it to him. Some actors – I, I wouldn't say being a, a movie star is bad luck, but like – No, bad luck at the box office. Bad luck at the box office. I feel like that's a slogan we've said before. No, no, no. We'll make it on. We'll put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> um, you got anything else on Zach? Anything else he's on working Sam. on? A oh, movie. so yeah, uh, f- uh, just his background. He actually started out in music videos and commercials. He made video content for Anonymous Content, which is an ind- which is an agency that has been uh, producing lots of commercials and music videos. His his most famous commercial was the Clydesdale Budweiser commercial. No way. Yeah. Yeah, he said he did like hundreds of commercials, TV yeah. commercials, and then tons of music videos. He's done music videos for some pretty big stars, which is pretty cool. Like I think he did My Chemical Romance, yeah. Rod Stewart, yeah, big names, yeah. yeah. So he's a cool dude too. <laughs> it's the slogan for the day. Um, you got anything else? That was it. All right. Well, thanks so much for tuning into this director spotlight. That's a good one on Zach Schneider. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a good time. Um, hope you enjoy his movies as much as we do, and we hope you're. Going to see the Batman this week or next week. We loved it. and We, we <laughs> loved it. I can tell you seven days before we see Man, it. Man, that, that, that scene. Well, actually, well, near the end. We, well, we saw it mon- Tuesday, so we got the early in- invite to IMAX headquarters in Santa Monica. And then we also have tickets for the third and the fourth. So The fourth and the fifth. The third and the fourth. Yeah, third and fourth. So we're gonna we've seen it three times this week, which is yeah. pretty great. Yeah, it's so it's really great. Review <laughs> is coming very soon, so definitely it'll be coming next week. Yeah, so if you want to yeah. watch the review without being spoiled, definitely watch the movie soon. Absolutely. All right, take care, everybody. Bye. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.